This episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast, is brought to you in partnership with Thermo Fisher Scientific. Thermo Fisher's cell therapy processing instruments are designed to help customers transition from process development to commercial manufacturing, utilized as standalone devices or integrated as part of a closed modular process. Thermo Fisher Scientific recommends Gibco CTS DynaSelect Magnetic Separation System, which is a next-gen cell isolation and activation instrument. Gibco CTS Xenon Electroporation System allows customers full control to optimize for a variety of cell types and payloads. And Gibco CTS Rotea Counterflow Centrifugation System is a closed cell processing system supporting a broad range of protocols for cell separation, washing, and concentration. Customers can rely on and streamline their drug development process with Applied Biosystems Qualtrac qPCR and dPCR quality control tools for robust and reliable genetic analysis across various phases of drug development, supported by relevant, compliant documentation. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and joining me is Parviz Shemlu, Vice President and Executive Director at Thomas Jefferson University. And he and I are going to discuss Jefferson Institute for Bioprocessing, or JIB, and its role in the future of cell and gene therapies. But before we do, Parviz, welcome to Cell and Gene, the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to participate in this uh, podcast. Uh, and I actually believe it's very timely for us to talk about certain things, especially as we start coming out of COVID-19 pandemic and as we start getting ready to for what I call the new normal. Uh, a lot has happened over the past two or three years, and um, I'm, I'm glad to be talking with you today. Good. I'm so glad. So let's jump right in. So first, I'd like for you to explain to us like I said, the Jefferson Institute for Bioprocessing, or JIB, which we know is a full-service development and training organization that specializes in biopharmaceuticals and biologics. I would like tell us what it is, the why behind it, and your role within JIB. Thank you. Absolutely. That's it's a pleasure. So uh, Jefferson Institute for Bioprocessing is a part of Thomas Jefferson University, it was created by Thomas Jefferson University almost five years ago with a single mission of closing the gap in workforce development, uh, spe specifically for the biopharmaceutical and biologic industries. So that was the mission, the vision that they had for uh, JIB, uh, and it hasn't changed. Uh, over the past five years, and now, by the way, I was very, very fortunate. I am fortunate to be part of the team here, actually helping to implement that vision. So we've spent the past uh, four or five years developing what I call today uh, three major business verticals that are um, all designed to deliver that mission. All of these verticals, the three verticals, if you take them together, they uh, have certain things in common. They are all designed to focus on industry. They're all designed to be industry facing. So if I start with the first of those verticals, which is our traditional uh, degree program, 
uh, we have a range of credential programs. Uh, our flagship program is a master's program, uh, which is a full calendar, 12-month program in biopharmaceutical process engineering. It includes multiple concentrations uh, within it, including one on API manufacturing, drug product formulation and film finish, analytical, regulatory, and quality, aseptic techniques and methods. Research and development is another concentration. Uh, we offer the program also as a part-time program for people who are in industry, do not want to give their uh, jobs up, and, but nevertheless, they still want to uh, further their education and develop their careers further in the biopharma industry. So that is one of the, uh, the master's program is a flagship program that we have. We also have a PhD program. Again, the PhD program is even more industry-facing. It's actually industry-sponsored. Uh, uh, candidates uh, can be embedded into industry. Uh, and we, we will be here as supervisors. Uh, we have each candidate will have a, a team of industry and as well as TJU advisors. You know, uh, uh, beyond that, the program, the PhD program is as rigorous, intellectually challenging and demanding as conventional uh, PhD programs. We expect the candidates to publish their results in peer-reviewed journals. We expect them to present their results in the form of uh, uh, conference presentations at national, international conferences. Oftentimes, colleagues ask me, if your PhD programs are industry sponsored, will they allow you to uh, publish the data? I will tell you after 30 years of experience in these uh, types of PhDs, the answer is absolutely yes. Industry wants and, and, and welcomes publications as much as academics do. So we find industry-sponsored PhD a very rich source of PhD program. And these are, by the way, also designed for people that want to build their careers in industry rather than in uh, academia. So that's a very, very good program that we have. Uh, we also have program, uh, Aaron, at the other end of the spectrum, uh, designed for entry-level technicians and operators. So we want to be able to, and in fact, uh, we need, right now, we need more people uh, in biopharma at entry levels, operators and technicians, than we, maybe we need at PhD level. PhD typically takes three to four years, but we need also programs that can prepare people within six months, within three months, uh, and get them enough, uh, if you will, uh, understanding and, and knowledge so that they can get in, into their first jobs. But we want to go beyond that for these, for these type of candidates. We want to give them uh, the ability to build on what they achieve. So at the entry and, and technician level, operator level, we have certificates and credit uh, that can be trans that are transferable and uh, you know stackable so it is these programs help our candidates get their first job and then also continue with their education on a part-time basis 
build their careers in that way. So those are the uh, uh, services we provide in, in our first vertical credential. I just want to touch on one other area that I, I hope you and the, the listeners will find it interesting. And that is, um, we, we were created uh, here to address this whole issue of workforce development for this mm-hmm. sector. And we knew from the very beginning that uh, we can only accommodate certain number of students in this, in this space. So oftentimes uh, we are asked, how do you plan to scale this up? How can you uh, increase the number of participants in your programs with the physical space that you have? And that's, I, I hope you, I know I'm hoping that you might find that of interest and your listeners will find it of, that of interest. And our, you know, TJU's approach to scaling up this problem is through uh, what our new president, Mark Chikachinsky, uh, calls pooled partnership. Uh, I've talked about this oftentimes in my LinkedIn, but the concept of pooled partnership is very, very attractive. I think it's one day all, uh, you know, all other universities will be doing it as we are uh, starting to, to do it. And, and this becomes even more important, uh, you know, in a, a post-COVID environment. Uh, very few academic institutions can deal with this uh, acute shortage of workforce in biopharma on their own. One way of doing this is by pooling resources from different institutions, mm-hmm. creating additional value for this uh, for their students without significantly more additional resources. That's the concept of pool partnership, and you know we love that uh, approach. It applies perfectly to Jib and Jib's situation. Mm-hmm. Our first of these pool partnership you will be pleased to know, has already been completed and it's, uh, we are expecting the first cohort, fall of 2023, is a collaborative program with Temple University. Oh, nice. Yes, you know this, you know, uh, School of Pharmacy at Temple has a very strong presence in regulatory affairs and they've been doing a super job, uh, much of it focused on a traditional pharmaceutical. And we had a number of discussions with them here. They saw the facility. They fell in love with the, uh, with the facility that we have in here. We have focused on biopharmaceutical. So the obvious question was, why not pull our uh, resources together, create a new master's program focuses on regulatory aspects of biopharmaceutical? And we have it. It's signed. Uh, it has the full support of senior leadership at TJU as well as Temple. And it's something that I am absolutely sure will grow in times to come. So that's one example. Right now, as I speak with you, we have uh, MOUs with uh, uh, along exactly the same type of uh, thinking with Northeastern University, with Villanova University, with Penn State University and with a number of other universities in the country. The idea here is to go beyond the physical dimensions of GIP, allow students to have access to GIP while they do some of their 
didactic classes back in their home uh, base. That's our way of, if you will, scaling up the opportunities and education that GIP provides. And just one step further, uh, we have developed those type of pool partnerships also with universities overseas, because this is again on a global, we have a TJU global, and with their help, we have now all formal uh, programs with universities in Argentina and with Portugal, and more is in the pipeline. So watch this space, JIP and TJU will grow in this whole space of uh, uh, you know, bioprocessing and biomanufacturing. Absolutely. I mean, and, and exciting times to come and it, and an organization that is not only to the, the people who are within it and, you know, have a plethora of opportunity, you know, across the entire life cycle of biopharmaceuticals, but also no matter where they're located, you know, I, I, I originally, the fact that it's not only local to the greater Philadelphia area, Pennsylvania, then, you know, domestically and then internationally. That's wonderful. That's, 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 that's how that, you know, I, I know you were wanting to ask about the intersection of science, industry and life, but this is what we're talking about. This is, so that was just the first of the verticals. Sure. <laughs> now, the second vertical and third vertical services are even more closer to, to industry. Uh, the second uh, service that GIP provides is really focused on training industry professionals, industry professionals, people who are working and want to upskill their knowledge and, and, and for multiple reasons. I tell you this, many uh, large biopharma companies, um, Fortune 500 companies, if you will, have been and are shifting from uh, their focus from traditional small pharmaceutical uh, molecules to large biopharmaceuticals and biologics. And to do this successfully, they know they need new talent, which comes from our first, which comes from our first vertical, but they also know they have to train and retrain their existing workforce. Mm -hmm. And that is where the second vertical is designed to help. If I tell you that um, over the past four or five years that we've been in, uh, in operation, we have delivered over 6,000 training days to industry. Uh, we have delivered nearly 100 separate courses to industry. And these courses cover everything from upstream to downstream operation, aseptic techniques, analytical, regulatory, statistical design of experiments, continuous processing, process modeling, and process integration, you name it, we, we, we have them in that space of bioprocessing, biomanufacturing. Uh, each course is typically between two to three days. Each day lasts seven to eight hours. So these are what I usually refer to as intensive and immersive. We limit the numbers of participants to a maximum of 15. Typically, numbers are between average 10 to 12. Each course is customized for a client, and it effectively is conducted in a very, very consultative mode, if that makes sense to you. So we have 
we want these people, candidates and participants to have access to all of the facility and the equipment. So the course, a course can be designed for can, uh, people who want to spend 80% of those three days in the facility actually learning about equipment operations and design, or conversely, we can spend much of the time in the class talking about case studies and so on. So that's a powerful, powerful uh, vertical that we have and is growing uh, rapidly, not just for uh, clients within uh, Pennsylvania, but beyond uh, as well. And the last, the last vertical that I wanna talk about is service that we provide is to help, really designed to help the startup companies, mm -hmm. uh, small companies. And there are many of them in uh, the Philadelphia, greater Philadelphia region. Mo most of them, I know you will be pleased to hear this, a, a lot of them are in cell and gene mm -hmm. therapy and they need help to get to move their discoveries from what I call bench side to bedside. Mm -hmm. And uh, we uh, do a lot of work with them. Um, works are all uh, carried out on their confidentiality. So they feel comfortable that the IPs belong to them. It's a very IP friendly approach. And we have a number of uh, uh, clients right now. Uh, and I know we wanna move on to other things, but if there is time at the end, I can talk about specific projects as far as I can. Uh, and confidentiality allows me to do. So those are the three verticals that I talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I, I would love to hear about how Jib is working with those startups in Philadelphia-based startups, but also you know even right. others that might be around the country. But before we do get to that, I do want to under better understand and have our listeners, you know, kind of wrap their heads around, you know, given what we just talked about, the three pillars. How does Jib how are you and your team moving cell and gene therapies forward? So uh, in two ways, in two ways, through training, through training. So we have, in fact, you will be uh, pleased to know that right now, if you hear the noise behind you, it's because there's construction going on. And that's part of a multi-million dollar uh, investment by TJU, and we also were very, very fortunate to receive $2 million from RACPI grant to, to, to uh, uh, go towards building a cell and gene therapy education and training base. So if you come back to here, and of course, I, I should perhaps also say that, that um, because of COVID, the construction work has been delayed by about six months. Sure. This facility should have been ready by last December, early January. Um, because of COVID, uh, the delay means that we'll be ready by, by the end of June, early July. When that uh, facility is uh, ready, we will have a total of six additional DSL-2 uh, clean room capability. And those in each of these rooms, we will be able to not only provide training to people who need the training, but also, as I said, help and work with companies that need scale up development to move their cell and gene therapy product from discovery all the way to clinical. That is where Jeep can contribute 
to the future success of cell and gene therapy in this area, in the region, and beyond. Uh, it's a powerful, powerful approach. Uh, and, um, I, and, and cell and gene, I mean, you know that, cell and gene therapy in terms of investment has been so, so rich in the region and beyond. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia continues to be one of the major hubs in cell and gene therapy. And to be, I, and I often think about this, to be, to become a hub, you have to have a number of key components, including investment, including manufacturing space, mm-hmm. including excellent first-class translational research, which we have in so many universities in this area. You also need to have commercialization capability. And last, but by no means least, you need to have process development and workforce development capability. And that is where JIB is focusing, helping these companies wherever they can with process development and also workforce development. Nice. Now, this might be a good time to talk about, to the extent that you can, some of the the startups that you're working with and how you're working with them in those ways that you just mentioned. So um, if you're able to name them, that's great. If not, that's okay too. Sure. No, that's okay. Just to give you a high level, uh, this this would be uh, generic. So you'll see uh, one example of where Jib has unique expertise, uh, people that we have. By the way, um, six months ago, we have, uh, in fact, more than that, about six, seven months ago, we recruited a super talent uh, from, uh, from West Coast area, uh, someone that spent a lot of time with some of the largest uh, cell and gene therapy companies. So he is part of my team now, actually leading uh, and driving the cell and gene therapy. So we're very proud. We have all of the, what I want to say is that we have all of the uh, resources, people, and infrastructure to deliver what we promise. Uh, one example, uh, we have a company that is uh, interested and is targeting uh, Parkinson as a disease area. And uh, the idea here is to use uh, cells that we develop. Uh, cells are derived from what we call the iPSC-based uh, cells. Uh, and, and then these cells are grown, developed, and prepared um, to, to, uh, for injection into, into a patient's brain. But you know, uh, and most people, listeners will know that Uh, in order to transport cells from point A to point B, from manufacturing site to hospital, where those are uh, then injected into patients, cells need to be frozen. Freezing cells is a very, very common operation. However, uh, most cells are frozen in a formulation that includes certain, uh, certain reagents. One of the most important reagents is something called DMSO. A DMSO is a reagent that we use at typically 10% for, uh, for freezing operation. Now, that is fine if you are freezing your cells for discovery purposes, or you're using cells for research. But if you want to inject those cells into a patient's brain, you want to make sure that you don't have uh, things that are uh, 
toxic to, to the patient. So this project, this project that we have a specific project that is targeting, uh, targeting the development of a new generation of formulation for freezing uh, cells that are DMSO free. And that DMSO free formulation is a big deal. It, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, uh, and, and that, that we are very proud of. And people are working on it, even as I speak. Uh, there are colleagues in the lab running these cells. And uh, hopefully, now uh, the idea is that um, the company will be in, uh, uh, you know, clinical trials next year, year beyond. And we need to be with them, support them, help them make sure that they are successful. So that's just one example of the type of projects we have. Well, and that's a really important example. And uh, so thank you for sharing that. I wanted to ask you about your partnership with uh, NEBERT, National Institute for Bioprocessing Research and Training. Can you talk to us a little bit about JIB's partnership and its benefits? Right. So NIBERT, I, you know, it absolutely glad you mentioned that. NIBERT was JIB's uh, first partner when we started all those years ago and we were talking about our plans and our visions. And NIBERT was one, the first partner that we talked to and we continue to have that strong relationship with NIBERT uh, even today. Uh, we, we value that partnership uh, as we move forward uh, and as we plan ne our next, what I call the next five years. But today, you know, I, it's important to, to point this out. Today, um, TJU has expanded into so many other areas. The partnership with NIBER, uh, still very strong moving forward, is focused on only one of those verticals that I talked about, one of those pillars, which is uh, training for industry professionals. We now have many more partnerships, many more partnerships on the educational programs that I talked about through those pool partnerships. We also have this new uh, programs, which, you know, pillars, you call it, I call them verticals uh, that are on process development, helping our local industry. So while, while um, uh, you know, it's like, like I, I hope I can say this, Jib uh, is, is almost like the first love. You will always, uh, very always be, be close to us, but uh, we have many, many more partnerships, many more activities that takes us beyond, beyond uh, uh, sure, that makes sense. Um, we talked a little bit about certainly, you know, manufacturing and supply chain, but I wanted to get your input on the ways in which JIB, given the ongoing, you know, manufacturing challenges that cell and gene therapies specifically have. Um, when working with JIB, how can future leaders tackle the issues that cell and gene therapies face in the manufacturing stage? Right, right. So uh, really very, very good uh, question. Very, very good content. But we can spend the rest of the rest of the, you know, this interview and rest of the day talking about this. Right. Um, I usually say that uh, cell and gene therapy uh, as an industry is in its infancy compared to uh, monoclonal antibody. 
it took us nearly 40 years to get monoclonal antibody to where it is today, which is beginning, which is starting to pay dividend and, and, and so successful. Cell and gene therapy will get there. And we want to make sure it doesn't take 40 years. We want to make sure that we take a lot of the trainings and learnings from monoclonal antibody and transfer them uh, to cell and gene so we can get to the end faster. And again, we have a lot of those uh, expertise here within G, uh, uh, not just uh, cell and gene therapy, but also monoclonal antibody. There are, there are areas that we need to develop in cell and gene. And we are again working, uh, you might call this art, our research and development, R&D component. Sometimes a client comes to us and they simply want us to develop the process and deliver it to them. Uh, beyond that, we want to look ahead and say, where is this industry moving to? Where is it going in five, 10 years from now? Where will it be? And we want to be part of that journey and make sure that we are with them in that, in that process. I can tell you, for example, in cell and gene therapy, much of the focus today, right now, is on autologous, autologous cell therapy, right? There are, uh, last time I counted, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, there, uh, there are 27 uh, approved cell and gene therapy products out there. Six of those are in CAR T cell therapy. So six are, practically all of them are on autologous, mm -hmm. which means which means you get a, a patient's own cell, T cells, um, get them at, uh, you know, over a period of eight or nine hours at hospital, bring them over into a facility like this or into a GMP facility, manufacturing facility, engineer and manipulate them, grow them, clean them, freeze them, by the way, hopefully in a DMSO-free uh, formulation, and then ship them back to hospital where it's injected into the, if you infuse into the patient. That's the process today. It works, but it has huge challenges. We know that. Number one, it's patient specific. It's a specific to a patient. And that makes it very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. Each of these therapies costs roughly around 500 to a million dollars, depending on how you look at the costing. So they're all expensive. They're also highly variable in, the, in, the, in their outcome. Imagine, imagine the variability of your starting material, which are the patient's own cells. You know, those cells are ex taken from a patient who may be in a stage three, a stage four cancer. So those are not the best type of cells to be working on. And so the future, as we see, and a lot of people agree with this, is in what we call having a universal CAR T cell. Uh, and that's the beginning of an allogeneic uh, process for, for cell therapy. And we like to be part of that. We like to be part of, develop the processes for allogeneic cell therapy. We know a lot about how to do that. We know more about that than we know about orthologous because process development for allogeneic will be much closer to process development for something like a monoclonal antibody, where we have a cell line that, is, that never changes. 
And so those are the those are the things that I see developing, and those are areas where I believe Jeep can come in and help. Uh, and of course, there's a great a lot of need for automation and control. Everything, a lot of these uh, processes right now are manual, time-consuming, and that adds to the cost. Um, regulatory needs to be, uh, you know, developed and advanced. Harmonization of regulatory. Uh, aspects of these cell and gene therapy is a big area. And we like, if you will, if I if we can do this, we like to be a hub of activities for next generation cell and gene therapy here at uh, Jefferson Institute for Bioprocessing at Thomas Jefferson University. We want whatever development is taking place to be here. We like to be able to invite uh, speakers, international researchers, to spend time here with us, help our, not just our training people, but our researchers, so we can get, put that back into the community. Well, and it's certainly, you are most certainly doing that, that's for sure. Uh, I just have a couple of more questions here. Um, one, tell us where JIB is physically located. I think most of us know Thomas Jefferson University located in Center City, uh, but, Jib is in Montgomery County, which is outside of the city. So tell us a little bit about where you're located. Very good. Thank you so much. I'd be delighted. Jib is uh, located at the, the Spring House Innovation Park, uh, just off North, uh, Norristown Road, off 309 uh, in Lower Gwinnett. So that's where we are. And uh, within walking distance, people often ask me why uh, Jib uh, why is Jib located in Montgomery and where it is? And I, you know, I, I say one reason is because we have no car parking problems here. Uh, we have plenty of space. But no, to be seriously, uh, we are within walking distance of uh, some of the largest uh, Fortune 500 companies here. So, and having interaction with these big, big giants in that area is it helps us, helps us enormously. Uh, it, 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 it's, you know, we are about 25 miles from Philadelphia Center City. Uh, you're absolutely right, Montgomery County. The other reason uh, we wanted it to be here, and I wish I could tell you I had uh, uh, something to do with the selection, but the location was selected well before I got into the uh, picture here by my senior uh, colleagues and leadership. And they had a vision. They had a vision which I really liked. They wanted people to be able to uh, take a flight to Philadelphia International Airport, get an Uber, and get to this facility quickly, mm -hmm. be here, spend two or three days on one of these training courses, and then quietly get back to the airport and, and, and get back home. And that I had some attractions to it. We have beautiful, you know, if you've been in this area, you'll see how beautiful it is in terms of surrounding. We have restaurants and hotels, lots of accommodation. So it's almost like, I like to think of it when clients from industry come here, it's almost like a retreat. They're here, distracted, not distracted, not, uh, you know, dis uh, not get distracted from all of the activities that go around the big city. There's not much they can do except be here. They are immersed. And focus. And, yes, and focus. Exactly what we wanted. <laughs> so that's uh, that's why that's why, why we are here. And um, 
you know, it's it's a good place. I love it. I absolutely love it. I do too. I I uh, live in another part of Montgomery County, so okay. I uh, I think you've chosen and and the uh, the leaders who chose the location uh, prior to you uh, joining. They made the right decision for sure for all the reasons you for the reasons you stated um one more quick question uh what would you like selling the podcast listeners to truly take away from today's discussion about jib's potential impact or excuse me not potential impact on selling gene therapies well you know thank you so much again for the opportunity to talk with you and you know i'm really really delighted to have this conversation with you I know uh, people talk about uh, the slowing down of the economy and, and there's, been a, uh, there's been a drop in investment in, in cell and gene therapy. Um, you know, I typically say, would you have expected anything else in, a, in the wake of a once in a century pandemic? So it's, that's all understandable. Um, I, I, I do believe uh, perhaps uh, short term, the rest of 2023, perhaps early 2024, would be somewhat of a challenge. But when I look ahead, I see nothing but good news for uh, but you know bio pharma, bio manufacturing and cell and gene therapy within it. Uh, I was delighted uh, to to read only this week that Pfizer is invested 43 billion dollars in the wake of COVID pandemic. Uh, Pfizer is investing $43 billion in next generation cancer therapies that are based on antibody drug conjugates. This is big news right now. And that's just an example of the kind of investment is going on. You know, uh, in, uh, in 2023, for example, uh, the investment in cell and gene therapy uh, was roughly around $7 billion expected to rise to 17 billion in the next five years. So these are major, major investment. And I will tell to uh, encourage the listeners to stay on the co- on course, stay with the vision. And, you know, future is bright for cell and gene therapy because these therapies are curative. Mm-hmm. There is not, I mean, I see it's incredibly important that we uh, don't let short term uh, challenges uh, stop us from investment. This country has been very good in staying uh, with the investment and not giving up, and and it's paid dividend in the past. We are leading and have been leading the biopharma biomanufacturing uh, for as long as I remember. For as long as I remember. Now competition is coming. There's no question that there is competition from. China, from India, from uh, Europe, and competition is good and it's healthy. It keeps us moving. But we we are leading this this area, and we want to stay that stay there. So that's my that's my message to everybody. Good, good. Well, thank you. Uh, we've ended the formal discussion of our of our episode. Uh, and at the end of every episode, I like to talk to my guests about who they are when they're not in the office of the lab, and so. Uh, my question to you are, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do when you're not at Jib? <laughs> when I'm not at Jib, I, I, I usually say to my friends, I have three passions in life. Uh, bioprocessing is 
one of them by a pro and I've been in this space for as long as I remember all my professional life. But my other, perhaps the most important passion for me is my, are my grandchildren. My grandchildren are the best things that, that have ever happened to me. I love, I have four of them, uh, two from my son, two from my daughter, and I love them to bits. They live in England. And I see them uh, two, three times a week on Zoom. Although they may not want to see me, I make sure I see them. <laughs> so that's that's a great passion. My other passion, believe it or not, is photography. Again, something that I have been passionate about. I have a site actually on on uh, out there that I put my photographs in. I um, I have um, uh, I'm passionate about uh, anything that is technically difficult to photograph, uh, including, for example, birds in flight, anything in flight, uh, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 whatever time uh, when I'm not doing bioprocessing and biomanufacturing, I'm all either on my camera or my talking with my grandkids. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you take, when you're with them physically, do you take lots of pictures of your grandchildren? Oh, oh yes. Oh, I have millions of them. <laughs> Spoken like a grandparent. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm trying to develop that passion in my uh, grandson who's 11. So I promised to buy him a camera next time I go down to England to visit him. And he's got got his uh, iPhone and he's he's practicing with his iPhone now that he knows that I'm very passionate about this. He's very nice, very, very nice. That's Uh, wonderful. And you can... You can you could you could share all of your expertise and your passion for it with him. Oh, that's thank wonderful. You. Well, thank you for sharing thank all you. that. Uh, all right, listeners, that wraps up this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast featuring TJU Jibs Parviz Shamlu. Parviz, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome once again. Thank you for the invitation and the very best of luck. Bye bye. Visit us regularly at cellandgene.com, register for our e-newsletter, and if you haven't already, subscribe to Cell and Gene, the podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.